Hello, fellow hooligans, and welcome back to another episode of the Weaving Words Podcast. Uh, this week, I am joined by one of my uh, my special little buddies who comes by the shop. Um, he gets dropped off in this little short bus every now and then. Uh, sometimes he walks over here. Uh, his name's Dusty, or Doosty, as I've been calling him lately, um, just because I'm bored and uh, haven't really had a whole lot to do besides... Uh, paperwork stuff um but yeah dusty uh did me a solid and decided to stop by on one of his days off after getting attacked by a uh octopus squid two of them at once um to talk about some books some graphic novels and some tv stuff that uh he's really enjoyed and is going to be enjoying soon uh dusty what uh you got anything to say (laughs) (laughs) nah man it was good to be here like thanks for letting me come out and record with you yeah, man. It's always fun just hanging out, talking with buddies about stuff you enjoy. Um, the first one that we're going to talk about right now, um, I was actually really interested in. You were giving me a little bit of a, a sample before, and I was like, all right, all right don't talk too much because I want to hear all about it, but recorded. <laughs> but the first one was, uh, you said there was a novel series that you liked uh, that you would read when you were growing up, and then you've been reading to your daughter as well, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, Redwall series, and it's a really good series. The dude does a solid storyline. It's meant for kids. Um, even now as an adult, whenever I'm reading it to my daughter, it's just, it's really good. Yeah. A lot of that kid stuff, you can tell if it's well-written, if you can still enjoy it as an adult. Cause uh, people, when they hear kids stories, they always think like, oh, it's meant for kids. I'm like, oh no, it means it's accessible to kids, but a good story is good for kids and adults. And I think a good writer can make it interesting for both. And there is stuff that you'll appreciate when you're a kid. And then as an adult, you'll go back and read it and you'll be like, oh, I never noticed that. Or I didn't even think about things that way. Um, but yeah, what was the the author's name's Brian Jocks. Um and then yeah, he's had a bunch of different people illustrate for the series. He has under children's fantasy, uh, he does novels uh, both hard hardback and paperback. Um but what would you say the uh, the whole series is about? Um so the whole series is based around this um this Abai or Abby, uh, depending on how you call it. Um and it's got red walls and everything and it's just meant for um like orphan kids and some other stuff there, or I say kids, but it's solely based on like mice and like rabbits and everything. But a lot of anthropomorphic animals, yeah. yeah. So it's like they walk around on their hind legs, like, and they hold like swords, like bows, spears, and like shield. It's it's really interesting. Um, and I got into it when I was a kid, and I was so into it that any time where I got money, I would go and buy like the next book that I needed for it. How many books did you say there was total that you remember? Oh, man, I think I probably own about 25 oh, at the geez, house right now. There's a, a lot, lot of books. stories. There's a lot of stuff to it. Would you say all of them are good, or do you remember all of them being good, or is there some that weren't as good as others, or is there all, stuff that you can pass? All of them were good. They were okay. all really well written. See, that's good. There were some that just on personal preference I didn't right. really like. You're like, it was good, but I like this one better. Yeah, or this because, and that. you know, growing up, I was all about, like, these fantasy huge battles and everything. Right. And every now and then there's a book where there's – not really a big battle. It's a just lot of like, talking, yeah, a lot of character building. It was just building. like one or, one or two little fight scenes, and I was like, come on, man, where's the action? <laughs> like, I need some action here. Blood makes the grass grow. Kill, kill, kill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely, man. And I was like, why is my grass not growing today, man? <laughs> come on, mice. <laughs> yeah. So so it's it's really good. I mean, um, probably my favorite one was, uh, favorite couple was one before Red Wall was even built, because they call it the Red Wall. Yeah. Uh, was, and so you was, say Red, red Wall is the name of the abbey they're in? Yes. Okay. And so Because it's it's made out of Red Walls. Red like, Walls, yeah. And it's just really good. And they had, 
well before, like 10, 15 years before it was even made, they have a storyline before that. Yeah. That tells you on how that like came to be. Like a prequel origin type stuff. Yeah. Did and that like, come out before the first book or um, did they do it afterwards to kind of give you some background on it? I'm not actually sh- too sure. <laughs> yeah, like, like the books were out by the time I, I read it. <laughs> I, I saw Redwall, like the original book, and it was like talking about this hero. And then later on, when I was able to find it, I found the precursor to oh. it. So, but yeah, they're constantly talking about this old hero and the sword and shield that's there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 20, 22 novels, dude. 22 yeah. novels and all. Yeah, that's I probably crazy. own them all then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. I got, I got 20 something at the house. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it was, it was mice. What kind of other animals were in there? So there's uh, one area in the books. There's this huge mountain that, that's hollowed out, and it's like a bunch of rabbits that live there. And their, their king is this badger, and the badger stands like two or three ra- rabbits taller than oh, everybody wow. else. And rabbits huge. are considered tall, so they're like the elves. They're like taller right, yeah. Than, and like the mice are like men, and then the badger's <laughs> like this giant, and he's leading. But you know they're they're good guys, and they continuously fight these sea rats, which are like sea pirates. <laughs> and you know it's like weasels, rats, um, foxes. It was oh, one, wow. and those are like all bad guys. You know, oh, really, like usually constantly like evil people. And then you have like mice, rabbits, otters, and then you have like one or two badgers because they're like extremely rare, so right. they just really don't pop up. But yeah, he leads them, and he has like this whole army. He's like weaponized this whole army, and yeah, yeah, yeah. several times in the books, he comes to the rescue of Redwall. You know, um, how whenever. how big is he compared to Redwall itself? Then, it, do they ever kind of describe so that? Redwall is like known to be like tall. They're Huge. Like, it has unusually high walls, but it kind of explains that with like the main hero who created Redwall. Okay, um, he ends up losing like his his spouse to the to uh, a guy and so he didn't he doesn't what want kind of that animal was the guy it did was, they say it was a rat <laughs> it was a rat okay so like, like a rat you know, bastard. The rats are like the orcs and <laughs> yeah. like goblins and stuff and then um and so he ends up building the same huge place to protect orphans yeah. and like protect people who are like by themselves um and then of course over the years you know you it's you have like monks and whatnot are there oh, and where cool. they come under siege it's like Oh man, like all we have are like these staffs and like bows. We don't have like any real weapons to like defend ourselves. And so um it's just it's really interesting. He really gets into it. Um there's even a, a book one time where uh like an otter, like he was he was born and then the uh these rats and weasels came in and killed his father and then they took him and raised him as one of their own. What the and then hell? by the end of the book he finds out like what actually what happened. happened? And he goes to take revenge for his father, and it's just so really, re- really well written. It's, it especially because he has no problem like killing off a character, right? But he writes it so well that like the kids, like especially when I'm reading it to my daughter, she's seven years yeah. old, and I've been reading them to her for about four or five years, that she doesn't like get upset. She right. understands, like, he writes it so well. Yeah, it's natural. It flows into it. Like, exactly. again, it, it is sad, but it's not going to, like, it's yeah. not. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> it's not Game of Thrones. It's like, why? Why did they die? Like, all right, yeah. cool. They're just dead, I guess. So <laughs> it, it, like, explains it, and it shows the character, like, trying to come on and get past the loss of, like, their best friend right. or their mom or something like that. So that's really good for, especially for reading the kids, because it kind of can help, if, especially if they have to deal with the, that in their life or if they ever come to it. It's like, it helps kind of process stuff like that that's what's really good about reading to kids is um there's this old uh, old um i think it was elliot uh who who had uh made this quote or no c.s lewis i think and it said uh 
let your or let your kids read stories about brave knights and heroic deeds because one day they might need to know that it's possible even though it's not you know in the real world you know it's it's not fairy tales and superheroes and stuff but let them if they come up into situations like that have some type of point of reference like i was able to get through this because of this or so and so from this book that i like was processing it this way um and again i, I think that's a big key part about books for kids and again as an adult you kind of see that sometimes where it's like oh they're teaching them this lesson i didn't even know that as a kid i didn't know i was being taught didn't know i was being educated <laughs> yeah it, it's really good because um I, I tell my daughter a lot of stories and she comes in here and she talks to you. She's like, well, did you hear my dad fought a dragon recently? <laughs> and then you were like, looking at me like, what? And I was like, I was like, Hey man, go with it. You know, like, and I, I've kind of developed a lot of my storytelling to my daughter. Cause my daughter thinks I'm this big, bad hero <laughs> um, from these books. And I kind of look at them like from years ago. I mean, I've had these books, I've been reading these books for 20 some odd years and it's just like, man like you know i'm still using this to this day like to write stories right and to like tell stories to my to my child and to my god kids and um it's just it's so well done is there any uh is there ever any in the series like huge monsters like do they ever show anything like man like a dog or i'm trying to think what would be as big or if not bigger than a badger because badgers so, compared to these other so they had huge. they had because it's kind of like based in britain yeah because it's where brian jocks is from yeah um but they had um a huge snake one time um they were trying to find this the uh sword of the of the original hero yeah matthias um and it was like stored away and they were trying to go in and like get it and there's just like this massive snake that they're trying to run from and like get from and they end up killing the snake with the sword. Okay. But it's like massively huge. And then, um, would you say the snake was like just a like a snake snake? Like it was a monster, or was it as smart as they were? Like was it sentient like they were? It was. It was. It was smart like they oh, were. Okay, um, that's interesting. They had to like talk to like a massive like barn owl too. And if you've ever seen a barn owl, those yeah, they're stand huge. like two three foot tall. Yeah, they're scary, dude. <laughs> and their wingspan's like massive. <laughs> And so, like, they were mess- so they were talking with, like, a barn owl one time and, like, having to deal with that, and they were striking deals with him. And, um, yeah, it just, it just goes on. Like, the badger's, like, really big. Right, and yeah. And, of course, badger's you know, huge. like, foxes, too. Like, I remember one, it was just um, the badger was, you know, he was trying to, like, save some people, and, like, all these, like, rats came in and they were like swarming him and he was like picking them up and like destroying them yeah destroying them by himself and they were like all sitting there trying to climb onto him and then eventually you know his army came in and like saves him Uh, (laughs) like these rabbits that he's armed because um it even goes into that like why did he weaponize like the rabbits why are the rabbits like this right and it was like well the rabbits were like being killed off and they were like these innocent things i mean if you ever seen a rabbit they're like yeah they're not not like they don't go out and attack stuff regularly. Yeah. Like, they'll fight amongst themselves, so, but not. And then, so he was, like, by himself, and he comes in, and he's, like, you know, like, these people need to know how to defend themselves. And so he kind of became the leader of them. And, of course, over time, like, it gets passed down through, like, his descendants for these guys. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They, uh, but, yeah, and he's, like, you know, he makes them into, like, blacksmiths. They're making armor. They're making weapons. So he almost sounds like um, like in Lord of the Rings when they go into Minas Tirith, uh, where the dwarves are at in, in the mountains, and they have, like, the forges and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it sounds like that. But, yeah, the elves would definitely be more like – or the rabbits would definitely be more like elves. So it's really interesting. With Dude, the it industry sounds cool. of the dwarves. Yeah, like yeah, elves, exactly. Like the yeah. race of, like, the elves with, like, the industry of the dwarves. 
it's really cool. It, it um, does sound cool, man. I, I like the idea. Uh, I wish, again, I wish somebody would pick it up and do more with it. Or even like an animated series sounds like it'd be really cool just to follow it. Yeah, yeah you got unfortunately, fantasy. Brian Jocks passed away several years ago. Yeah. But he wrote several stories like outside of the Redwall series too. Okay. And it was just like, it was kind of weird because it was just like not like him. He wrote several stories that were just like based Redwall wise. Right. And then out of nowhere he writes about like a boy lost at sea with his dog and then some some other stuff. Yeah, some was, outside stuff that you know, it, might be as well. And even then it was it was really well done. That's yeah, I mean and that's that's what it is with the uh, good writers too. Like even when it comes to comic books, I follow the writers the the a lot more than I do the artist because I want a good story. Like the art's nice and all, it's good to have, but if it, the story sucks, I'm not going to pick it up. <laughs> like yeah. I'm just like I'm done with this. Exactly. There's, there's been plenty of stuff. I mean, uh, th- I know there's been plenty of um, like uh, comic books that I would have never given a shot if uh, it didn't. The art didn't grab me, but I would never pick up the rest of it if the story sucked. You know, there'd be stuff like uh, I'm a huge fan of Weatherman. The only reason I gave it a shot is because the guy wrote the series Shirtless Bear Fighter. Which I would have never given a shot if I didn't, because of the name one and the cover looked fun. It was a dude without a shirt, just in pants, and he fights bears. And I was like, "This is fun." Then he wrote Weatherman, which is a completely different type of story, more sci-fi, um, and it was just really well. I think it's one of the more most well-written independent titles out right now. I'm still waiting for Volume Three to come out, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff that yeah, if you just follow good writers, you're you're. I mean, it's like. It makes sense, right? You get a good writer, you're going to get a good story. You get a good artist, you're going to get good art. You get a good chef, they're going to make good food. Like, it just makes sense to me. It's just funny when people uh, um, don't care about the story. I'm like, then then why buy it? Like, or why get into it? Why, why do you pick all of it up? Like, just take a break until the story gets good again, I guess. Um, but yeah, talking about uh, comics and graphic novels and stuff like that, there was another one that you were uh, telling me about earlier. Um, it was Terminal Lance, um, The White Donkey. What was that one about? So, um, to kind of give a little bit of backstory on it, he has this whole comic series on Facebook that he became super popular with. So it's like a web series. It was then. like a little. It was like a little short series. It's just like, it's like your Saturday comics in the in the uh, in the newspaper from yeah. when we were kids. It was just like a few little, a like, few comic strips. Yeah. yeah, and that was it. And it was just like, and he would do it making fun of like stuff that happened in the Marine Corps. Right. It was just like some of the stupidity of the Marine Corps. Right. And the whole time, he's going through with his buddy Garcia. Um, that he's a terminal lance with and it's just going through like doing this stuff like why is this so dumb and it, you know they're throwing stuff on right and it was like why are lieutenants like so stupid you know <laughs> and it's like it's a mystery that we'll never know right and so and so it, it captures the audience <laughs> of marines and like other veterans that you know it's just like if, you, if you're I, in I and you know connect, about it you can relate to you, it you can connect to it it's yeah. like he he like because there's like a rampant problem with like black mold and barracks and yeah Marine yeah and he did a comic over that just making fun of it and like you know of course like the black mold in this comic comes and it's like <laughs> a monster and it's yeah. like eating marines <laughs> but um a, about a week before he uh he released this this book this yeah, graphic the, novel the graphic novel um he he does a, a strip and it's like really heartfelt and it's like he's sitting there and he's joking with Garcia. And then at the end, it's like Garcia fades, and it's just like a little memorial in his room. And then the book comes out, and it's like Garcia apparently he's been imagining a lot of this, missing his buddy and everything. And then the book comes out, and it's about his deployment with Garcia to Iraq. So some background to all that. That's pretty cool. And so it goes through, and then, you know, it, it covers a lot of stuff, like, in there. Like, everybody thinks deployments are, like, nonstop, like shooting combat like explosions all over the place and mm-hmm. it's not like that 
in lot, all honesty. Uh, I would assume a lot of it is just trying to figure it's out just, how to live your life there in a place yeah, that exactly. you don't know that's not it's home. It's like you're doing convoys and patrols, and most of the time nothing's happening. But you're you're on alert like yeah. 90% of the time because you're like, the next step I make could like end my life. Because, yeah. But, you know, then you come back from the patrol and you're all good. Or if you're out on a convoy and you see a possible IED, and now EOD takes eight hours to show up to dispose of the IED. And so you you're just standing there. there. Yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting in your truck for eight hours just waiting for someone, you know, in the desert. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And so they, they come out, you know, and of course, and it shows a lot of that. Like it's a lot of sitting around and waiting. It's a lot of this, that, and the other. And for them on his deployment, it's like extremely quiet. Like nobody's been doing anything, you know? And then they end up doing a patrol, like where they're stopping cars and like checking them for IEDs and whatnot. And then, some guy ends up breaking the lines and like charging right. with his car and ends up shooting and he shoots the guy through the neck and turns out that the guy didn't realize what the signals were. Oh, okay. And so, you know, so he didn't get in trouble, but it was like, Hey, you know, like he did run, you did follow, you did everything that you were supposed to do. The guy's going to live. And he ends up getting into a huge fight with Garcia and, um, on their way back, you know, after a huge argument, they're really not talking or anything. And then they're driving, and they end up hitting an IED. And the truck ends up flipping, and Garcia's in the gun turret. And ends up killing Garcia. The truck ends up crushing him. Right. And so it, it explains on how he dies. And then the rest of the book is kind of explaining on how to deal with losing his best friend. Because the last thing he ever did was, like, argue with a them. massive argument with him and, like, fight and all this other stuff. And throughout the, the comic, he keeps seeing this white donkey. Like, two. And it's, like, very symbolic. And then, so, he eventually ends up going back home. And he goes to, to visit Garcia's grave to kill himself. And while he's there, like, a white donkey appears out of nowhere. And, and, and you know, it's very symbolic to him and, and everything. He doesn't end up killing himself. Um, and turns out that Garcia's family has had this white donkey the whole time at their house. And it, it's very symbolic, and it, and it touches a lot of subjects that people don't want to touch on with veterans or anything. Right. You know, like, it's really hard. You know, you come back, and you don't have anybody to talk to. You come back, and, you know, you're dealing with these issues, and nobody around you understands. It covers a lot of that. Like, his family's like, why are you so different? Why is this? Why do you have to take these meds? Right. And so it's just, it's really good. And, like, to me, like, it helped me out a lot, like, reading it. Well, being um, able to relate. Yeah, and that's the exactly. thing, too, is like you said, there, there's so much stuff that uh, veterans or oh, pretty much anybody with any type of post-traumatic stress disorder, they don't get the help they need. And like you said, a lot of it is to people asking, why are you not all right? Just be all right. Why are you? Why do you need this? Why do you need that? Just get better. And it's like, yeah, if it was just as simple as just, yeah, just get better, it'd be done. Yeah. And the problem that I see a lot of times, too, is, again, you they can't relate. So the only people that can relate to you are also messed up. So you just get in this like negative loop of... You know, you have support, but it doesn't get better because everybody's messed up. They don't have the help they need, and it's hard finding somebody who's gotten better to help, you know, kind of it's that, that whole thing of, like, bringing them, you know, uh, helping them dig their way out of a hole, you know. Um, and, yeah, dude, it's it's, it's rough, man. It, there, there's definitely a lot of uh, help that a lot of people need, combat veterans in particular as well, because, again, you we were just talking about it earlier, you know, with the whole Normandy thing where it's like you convince this group, this large group, not just a group, but a large group, of men, of young men, of boys, pretty much, to knowingly run into death to take a beach, you know, j j to be like, it, it, it's such a crazy idea, like, 
the mental trauma and the, the conditioning you have to give someone just to do that. And then the ones who do survive or are wounded or see people or lose friends and stuff that they went through, you know, pretty much the last year or so of training and, you know, becoming a brother with and they're just gone. And then life continues and you have to keep moving on. You have to keep going. And then you could, that can only go for so long. You can only just compartmentalize it for so long before it starts bubbling up somewhere else. And it's, it's crazy, man. And again, um, America, we have this crazy problem of like, yeah, we love our troops and we love freedom. Yeah, you don't give them help when they need it. And it- exactly that, that's one of the biggest things. Like I constantly say, it's like you keep getting on to veterans about this, that, and the other, but you're not providing any solutions. Right. You have a lot of politicians who come out and like, so let's think about the veteran. And the thing is, veterans are just tired of people using them. Yeah. As like, as like a political point. It's like, dude, just like. Right. Most of the time, they just want to be left alone, or they just want someone to talk to, or somebody to actually help. Like yeah, exactly. words, words are words, man. Actions speak louder than I, words. Like my said. my great grandfather on my mom's side of the family lied about his age to go join World War II. Right, and so uh, we really don't talk about it a lot. But they ended up finding out his age after D Day and everything, and so they made him like drive around like a one star general, and. Whenever he would come back, he would he had like he was super messed up. He was 16 years old, went to a war zone. Yeah, you know, and in World War II of all places in Europe. Yeah, and then just growing up, like his what his kids had to see him do, and like my mom, his grandkids and whatnot. It was just like he wasn't like all there right. whatsoever, and like we could never shoot off fireworks because it reminded him too much of D Day. It reminded him too much of other stuff, and. It was just, it was, it's rough. And then, you know, a lot, and, and that's probably one of the worst things that you could honestly do, like to a veteran, is look at them and be like, you've changed. Well, mm. Of course you've no changed. Doubt you've changed. Yeah. No doubt you changed. I did something that's not meant for humans to do. Yeah. You know, I went somewhere and I was almost killed or, or killed know. or almost killed someone yeah. else who's in exactly. the same position or I am. You lo- or, you know, I watched my buddies die and yeah. you're not supposed, that's not meant for humans it's like not, our brains dude. are not meant to comprehend that well especially because again it's not like again world war ii is the last romanticized version because it was pretty cut and dry like these are the bad guys these are the good guys exactly but the thing that sucks and it's hard to think about this way because you want to keep it so cut and dry but a lot of these guys didn't have the option and you know you can always say oh well, they could have done this they could disobey order i'm like yeah cool and then died and all their family's dead or in a camp somewhere or whatnot so yeah they really don't have a choice and again it's just a dude who's probably just a mere reflection of you Exactly. That they're just out there doing their job, and you have to kill each other because these assholes up on the top, these politicians, want power. Exactly. And it's just so fucked up. And again, like you were talking earlier, the, the these politicians, even in America, uh, you see it a lot where, you know, they, they want to use you as political, you know, poker chips and stuff. And it's just fucked up because they'd rather go to, like, a flag ceremony than provide help for you. Like, it's just it's fucked it, up, exactly. man. Exactly. And um, that's it's just so much with it. You know, like Afghanistan's our longest war that we've been at. And uh, war. <laughs> war. Yeah. yeah. Um it's a war definitely in everything is, but name. <laughs> but it wasn't it was it was never officially declared a war. Yeah. But you know, and it's like, man, if you were born in two thousand and you know, you're twenty one years old today, the United States has been at war a hundred percent of your life. There's people who like, are in, in the 90- Middle East in the conflict who were not even born when nine eleven happened. Exactly. It's fucked up, dude. And they're like fighting us now. Like because they're like, why are they here? They've been here my whole life, and there's like nothing is changing. Yeah, you know, and it's like I was born in '92, and like I think it's like some absurd number of 89 percent of my life, yeah. the United States has been at war. Well, dude, and then uh, there's this comedian who's you know from of Middle East descent, and 
And uh, he was saying like, yeah, man, dude, think about it. Yeah, these guys, these soldiers and stuff come back all fucked up. Imagine how people have to stay there who live there. Like, exactly. It's always fucked up. And it's just, again, it, I wish we can help everyone. I'd rather work towards that than uh, more war because the reality is who are we fighting? What are we doing? Exactly. Um, and that, that's why it is cool to see um, people's stories on, because again, the hit, I'm sure um, the Terminal Lance, uh, the, him writing that story definitely helped him process stuff and again, helped relate to other people. In a very interesting new way where you got to get creative. And like I said, there's the mold killing the guys and stuff like that. And it's just, again, bring a little bit of levity to dark situations. It is fucked up how we treat a lot of our soldiers and putting it out there again. Somebody's more likely to read a story that they think is more entertaining than they are to watch a news article exactly. about it. And the, and the thing is, um, I had this buddy. Um, he lost his leg overseas all the way up to his hip. And people are like, you know, like, well, they get taken care of when they come back home. I had to go with him to the VA whenever they were, like, you know, giving him his percentages because they give you, like, you know, 90% permanent or temporary if the issue is supposed to go away. And he went up to the VA, and they told him 40% temporary. So they were like, your issue's going to go away. And he goes, my issue's going to go away. And they said, yeah, like, it'll go away in three years, and we're going to stop paying you. And he, he reaches down. And he takes off his prosthetic leg and he slams it. And he goes, okay, when's my leg going to grow back? Right. And, you know, that's what we had to deal with. And the only reason why he was able to get his, the help and the percentages that he he got was he had to go write his congressman. And he had to go meet with them and do all this stuff. And even then it took six more months. Yeah, it's and just this guy rough. has four a, kids, Yeah, you know, that he's trying to, like, do stuff for. And so now you know, him and his wife now have to switch positions. He's now having to stay home and she who hasn't worked in several years now has to go out and find a job, a right. job to end up paying for everything that they have while yeah. they're going through this issue. And there's like no resources for anybody to help them. Right. And if and there is, it's going to take forever. Or if they can get them, like you say, you got to go talk to all these people. Exactly. Uh, again, there's, there's stuff he has to, instead of focusing on getting better and, um, re, you know, um, rehabilitating and reintegrating back into regular society, he's having to do all this stuff just to have the opportunity to do that. And again, you, you, I know it was a big deal with um, uh, John Stewart. He was doing that after he left the, his show where he had had to lobby for all the 9-11 first responders because they kept trying to cut off their their uh, health care because they were supposed to have health care for the rest of their life, but they put time limits on it and like, oh, we'll visit again in 10 years. And all these politicians, you couldn't get to them besides shame. So he they just go out and they just be like, so-and-so doesn't want to do it, doesn't care about first responders, so-and-so doesn't care. And you'd have all these first responders who have freaking cancer and all this crap for yeah, being there, you know, on ground zero. And, you know, he's saying so-and-so has cancer he has this and that he shouldn't have to be here talking to you he should be focusing on getting better best come over here and talk to you and ask you why you're trying to take away his health care yeah and uh, again there's just no answer besides they're just greedy or they're just assholes yeah that, that's all it is nowadays is it's you know in all honesty it's like one of our veterans like enlist and everything you know people are like well they get free college so it's like no you don't get free college I, you know you they signed away four years of their life to get four yeah. years of college so they had to go do stuff for four years that they didn't want to do right? so they could be able to afford college or afford health care or something like that. And in a contract, it's like if you get injured while you're in the service, you know, we'll take care of you after because, you know. And then it's like you come home and the Vietnam veterans were the ones who had to fight with the VA the worst. Yep. And it was like they were coming home and it's just like we didn't take care of them. There's still Vietnam veterans out oh, there yeah. who are fighting for their 
healthcare and have proven time and time again that they were in Vietnam. And the VA is like, yeah, no, nah, like we're not going to do anything. And it's just the only the only time that anybody comes in to help out to like fix these things is whenever it gets media attention or you or you end up having somebody in higher power to come in and fix it. Like you said, like my buddy had to go write his congressman. You said that guy had, you know, he was famous. He was a com- yeah. comedian. He had to go out to help and shame him. There's and nothing they can do about like there's no exactly. voting, no nothing they can do besides publicly shaming these politicians. Exactly. And it's just it's and what's sad too is it took months, years of shaming them. They weren't even instantly like, oh, I did something wrong. Let me fix it. They're like, okay, like this is enough. And yeah. It's it's just it's sad, they, man. They only stopped because they realized that other people weren't gonna stop. Right. And that's all it is. And, the, and most of the time what they're doing, they're waiting for you to give up or for you to run out of money to or stop f- it. Or to for- forget about it. Like, yeah, yeah. How you gonna, like you said, how are you going to forget about losing a leg? The majority of the time, it's like people are, they're just done fighting. And they're like, I'm just done fighting. I'm just this. tired. And, you know, my buddy who lost his leg, um, he unfortunately took his life a little over a year ago. And it was like he was just done fighting, like with the VA. He was done fighting with all these other people. And it ended up, you know, costing him his life. Like, and everybody looked at him and was like, well, you got free college. So, yeah, cool, dude. You got free college, but. I'll pay for my up, college if it means uh, I can have my leg back and uh, not be, yeah, you know, like, fucked you know, up in the head. And, and people would look at him and be like, well, it's so cool that you have, like, a purple heart or this, that. And, and he was like, I would trade my purple heart for my leg to grow back. Yeah. I w- you know, I would trade this to have my buddies back. And, you know, and, and that's a thing that a lot of people don't understand. Or these guys are sitting here struggling with this stuff. And, again, in that book, um, White Donkey, it covers it. Like, people are, like, sitting here asking him, have you ever killed anybody? Have you ever, like, killed, did you, right. or how many people did you kill? That is probably the worst thing to ask a veteran. Like, right. whether they did or not, first off, they're probably going to lie to you. Second off, if they don't lie to you, they're telling you to scare you. Right. Because they're like, I've, I've, I immediately know what kind of person you are, and I no longer want to deal with you. And then whenever you ask them these questions, you're making them rethink back and whether tra- they're going and relive it and yeah and then like those emotions you know, come back if they did you know it's like or even if they didn't they're going back thinking of their buddy being killed and it's just it's absolutely absurd and people don't need to be doing that it's yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous and you, you've seen it actually here in the store someone asked me that question and i like turned around and, and like sat them down very calmly and like explained to them this is why you can't be asking this question of veterans this is you know, this is the issue. This is how we need to fix it. Um, you know, cool. And then the person was seemed pretty cool after that. So yeah, I think but, uh, yeah, a, a lot of it again, and, and definitely there's some again dramatized stu- uh, stuff part of the story for the the terminal lines, the white donkey and whatnot. Um, but again, when it, a lot of stories hit harder when they're grounded one way or another or something that you can believe you can have your crazy stuff here and there thrown in again like the white donkey popping up everywhere the mold overgrowing stuff because it's very good visual representations of stuff they're feeling or thoughts they're having um and and that's what i do like about graphic novels a whole lot um because i do like uh you know we're talking about uh, graphic novels uh dealing with like uh, military stuff um tom king who's a uh i don't think he was in the military but he was definitely a cia guy Mm -hmm. um he wrote a series for Vertigo called uh, Sheriff of Babylon or uh, Sheriff of Baghdad. I think it's Sheriff of Baghdad. And uh, I forget. I have the novels here. I actually own them. And um, it was him going over after they, you know, um, what was it, Operation Iraqi Freedom or whatever. uh, They took Saddam out 
and they're trying to train a lot of the Iraqi soldiers or military guys um, to be police because they don't know what police is. Like, it was just not a thing. It's like, we don't yeah. have police here. So it's a CIA guy going over there and trying to basically train to be sheriffs, you know, trying to be sheriffs of, uh, I wish I can remember, it was Babylon or Baghdad. Um, and the, the there's very cool um, visual stuff where, you know, it's a traditional nine-panel comic. So you have your, your three-panel, three-panel, three-panels, or even four-by- three or whatnot and it'll be like story 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 and then it's a black square with the with uh white words that says bang you know uh bang period and then it'll do that every three or four squares and the idea is no matter what throughout life throughout the story you're just gonna be hearing gunshots in the back just bang exactly bang bang and um i'm gonna go through a lot of that stuff a lot of dealing with how fucked up it is dealing with how people are after the war and again you get to see because he talks a lot to a lot of the iraqi um people that live there who are trying to do good and them still being having that like ideals are ideal sometimes this is a reality and yeah we're trying to instill you know um order um and quell the chaos and stop these bombings but the reality is is my wife has to sometimes have a ak under her, her hijab like because there's gonna be some crazy dudes that are gonna yeah. try to rape and kill her you know just shit like that and uh again it's it's really cool to see real life turned into a little bit more dramatic sense because it gives you enough disconnect towards like oh you don't feel like shit after reading it or watching it um and it's entertaining enough to keep you reading it um so again it's really cool to see stuff like that there's been so many other books like uh one of them that i read that was a graphic novel that was similar during wartime stuff was called they called us enemy and it was uh by george takei and it was when he was a kid going through the internment camps because he was of Japanese descent, losing his whole, you know, uh, his family's losing their, uh, their all their property and everything, mm-hmm. being put on trains, taken out who knows where, um, being treated, again, like second-class citizens because they're at war with people who came from the same country that they came from. And just fucked up shit like, again, politicians being like, oh, well, yeah, we, we took away all your stuff and uh, locked you up. But uh, if you want to fight for us, you can fight for us. If you want to go die, you can die for us. I'm like, yeah, cool. I want to die for this country that just took away all this shit from me. That, that sounds cool. That sounds and, like a good idea. And you want to know what's so funny? Is the most decorated unit of veterans in World War II was nothing but solid Japanese Americans. And they, they were making them fight in the European conflict. Yeah, yeah. They didn't want And they didn't even give them guns. Yeah. It's, they, it's they, fucked up, dude. They put them in the medical thing. And they were the most decorated for most, for most of the heroic stuff right. being done. And it was like these same guys who you've probably thrown their families into these camps and everything. Right. And then at the end of the war, it's like, oh, our bad guys. Like, <laughs> my bad. It, it, yeah. And, and that's all it was. It was like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. Sorry about that. Well, can we have our shit back? Nah, it's gone. Yeah. So, uh, was it civil civil for, uh, forfeiture or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, eminent domain? They're like, nah, we'll, we'll take it from you. Yeah. It's just it's then, fucked up, well, dude. We didn't do that to the German Americans or Italian Americans. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Or several of the other countries that, that were known, that were with the Axis. Right. Or even during World War One, you know, like the Germans and all these other countries and stuff. Well, like it's, that to them. Yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know. Again, it's very, it's interesting how we pick and choose who we will uh, <laughs> treat worse than others. Um, but yeah, talking about, uh, again, going from uh, graphic novels that are about, you know, uh, war related stuff to, um, you said you're looking forward to some documentaries coming out soon. Um, I know we couldn't figure out exactly where. I know I watch a lot of my documentaries. You said you watch them on Nat Geo. I watch a lot on History Channel, obviously. Um, just anywhere and any anywhere I can find them, I like watching them. And yeah, I like watching a lot of military stuff from like early, you know, swords and freaking shields to like current warfare. Um, what are some of the ones you're looking forward to now? Have to um, relate to that are coming out soon. Well, um, honestly, I watch 
if I'm scrolling by and I just see a documentary and it looks interesting, I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch it. I watch a lot of like wartime documentaries. I also watch a lot of um, like the uh, Our Planet ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Those are very visually cool. yeah. attractive. And, well, and it's just cool information. You know, I, I do the same thing you just said. Is like I'll be scrolling through and I'll either listen to a podcast most of the day or documentaries because mm. it's cool just hearing stuff a narrative going and learning something new that you wouldn't have. I know we talked earlier about like, you know, the, the European front of uh, world war two talked about a lot, but I didn't learn until like maybe a year and a half, two years ago about, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the Pacific, especially with the way the Japanese were treating a lot of the, uh, um, Asian countries, you know, in the Pacific on the coast and mm-hmm. all that, you know, the Chinese, the Vietnamese, the Korean stuff like that. Um, a lot of the Island hopping that we had to do. And again, you, it's very easy to make out, um, the Americans is the bad guys when we drop the nukes and then you don't see a lot of the stuff that the Japanese were doing that was equally, if not worse, you know, yeah, like they, the Japanese were killing a million civilians a day over in the Asian front. And that was not even like military guys. Yeah. It's just like civilians who yep. were just going through and wiping out villages and they, they equaled it out to about a million a day. Um, yeah, they were doing their own genocide what, over there. What's, what's really messed up is, um, and actually pretty interesting here uh, in the Marine Corps League here in Fresno, um, we we had a member, she just passed away recently, and her name was Tina, and she was actually in one of the concentration camps that the Japanese put on uh, in, in her home country. So um, she remembers being four or five years old running through the jungle and the Japanese soldiers shooting at her because she was trying to pick fruit right. off trees, and then they threw them in, like, into the concentration camps. And they would make it to where, like, people could leave to, like, go pick fruit because, you know, they're obviously starving. Yeah. But they would, the Japanese soldiers would use kids for target practice. Yeah, no, it's it's messed up, dude. There was just stuff like, uh, I was reading a lot about uh, what they were doing in, in uh, China, like the, the sacking of Nanking, or otherwise known as the raping of Nanking. Mm-hmm. There was a German soldier who was a Nazi, dude. He completely believed in the political ideals of Nazism. But he also lived in China for over a decade, and those were his people. And, yeah, when the Japanese came through, like you said, they just started exterminating any and all Chinese civilians. And uh, he was so, again, they call him John Rob the Good, quote-unquote, Nazi. Because what he would do is he would uh, let the Chinese um, civilians go into his compound. You know, the whole little German ambassador compound was a big property. And so they wouldn't be killed. And then the, the Japanese started t- giving them bullshit like, oh, yeah, well, we're not looking for civilians. We're looking for soldiers. They'd have this specific callus on their palm or their hand. That means they were firing rifles, which was bullshit. They said you can get that callus by working in a farm with mm-hmm. farming equipment. And they would just kill them. They would do this thing where, uh, again, it was fucked up. They would, I forget what it was called, but what they would do is they'd try out how sharp. They have sword, uh, katana cutting competitions where they see how many people they can cut through with their katanas. And they'd take pictures and send them back to Japan and put it in the newspapers and report on them like it was baseball, dude. Like it was just again to them it was a game. It was it was yeah. fu- perfectly fine. And again, you hear shit like that, and you hear that there's Nazis going around trying to stop them, and it just puts it in perspective. It was like, fuck, man, how bad does it have to be if like a Nazi's like, all right, hey, dude, chill, like calm the fuck down. Yeah. Because we started doing is he started he unfurled the whole Nazi flags and shit, and he would put on his whole regalia outfit and stuff, and he'd go around marching. Anytime he'd see a Japanese soldier passing a Chinese person, he'd go over there, just freaking yell at him, you know, uh, dress him down and then tell the Chinese guy to go to the property. And he, they said he saved over a hundred thousand Chinese, uh, civilians from being killed needlessly. Um, and then what had happened is Hitler hears about what the fuck's going on. They send him back on a train. As soon as he gets back, they put him in jail 
and then the war is done and then there's the nuremberg trials you know they're they're trying to figure out you know who was part of what and he was about to get you know um uh sentenced and executed and just by sheer luck, another, it was, a, I forget, he was one of the guys who was working with the U.S. Uh, who was a German defector. And he was like, no, 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 that's one of the good ones. He didn't do shit. You know, he was just in China or whatever doing this and that. And Hitler threw him in jail because he didn't like that he was, you know, giving the, the Japanese a hard time. Yeah. So he let him go and he just lived his rest of his life out in poverty. And again, I would have never, ever, ever known that story of this one random, you know, the quote unquote good, good Nazi. If I wasn't just watching random documentaries, it's exactly. really cool. And then, you know to turn around and you know a lot of stuff that was happening like in europe like we all know what happened with like, the jewish people and like it wasn't just jews that they were killing off yeah, gypsies it was, yeah. uh so intellectually so, disabled so the, commandant, the commandant for Auschwitz. Uh, i was watching the trial like they were having his trial up and whatnot where they were accusing him of killing three and a half million people at Auschwitz. um if that was true, he said, no, I killed two and a half million. The other million died of disease and starvation. Right. He goes, that wasn't my fault. And then where they had him in jail while he was waiting to be um, executed, he decided to come up and complain and say, my feet are cold in my cell. <laughs> and it was like, how like entitled do you have to be to kill three and a half million people, like starve them to death and everything, yeah. and then come up and be like, you know, my cell's cold. I'm it's uncomfortable, it. yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, it's just, it, it just shows you how fucked up they were again they com convinced a whole country that there was a group of people that were less than human that didn't deserve the same rights you deserved exactly. and again it's just funny i was posting these uh but i mean we've been parallels the human race has been doing that for yeah since forever we've come around i mean look at the romans whenever they would go into what's now great britain or like france or yeah, a lot of the the western european and countries then whenever we first colonized america what we did to the native, the native americans, americans. Or even South America. It's just like... It's just it's a... Or even with Africa with slavery and everything. Yeah. It's it's absolutely absurd. And, you know, human race has been doing this for a while. And it's only, like, recently that, that people are like, you know, if this is, like, enough. Like, we need to, like... Where, where does it end? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, like, I was going to say uh, about a year ago when the whole protests were going down, um, the parallels, because if you look at the Nuremberg trial and whatever, what little footage they do have the i forget what it was in german but it just translates roughly to orders or orders orders or orders exactly and then last year when they're having the protest and for the first time ever in the history of the united states the united states has put on a uh, list of not safe for reporting countries because you know that's usually only for the really fucked up places and at the time yeah the cops were just going around shooting at reporters whoever yeah, it was even if they had credentials and arresting them and like breaking their cameras yeah and and when they're asking them like why are you covering up your badges orders or orders uh why are you covering up your cameras orders or orders i'm like oh, that sounds very familiar man yeah, and again exactly. dude it's, it's just, just i don't know man it's so again history repeats up. itself it's, if you don't learn it yeah and and that's the thing you know a lot of people like come in and they try to like start arguments with you like what is your view on this that or the other and if you go like one if you like well i don't like that this happened they're like oh so you like hate cops or yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. i don't like that this happened oh so you like they want so they want to they want to be and divisive and it and, sucks and it's like no i'm in the middle and you know honestly like all this could be fixed like yeah. super easily like you know i i've looked at it it's like we can fix it like how we we, we fix doctors right Man. well like fixed doctors in quotations or well, we keep them accountable yeah, yeah they have their individual liability insurance. immunity yep right and then you you make the police officers carry their own insurance yep so if they get in trouble too much then they then nobody will insure them anymore right and if they can't be insured then they can't work as an officer right well eventually they'll be priced out right it, it'll cost more to be insured than they make and it just it doesn't work 
And again, there, there's like, well, they they won't be able to work and this and that. And well, all these false reports. I'm like, the doctors have to deal with that too. And doctors are actually saving lives, not not just going around. Or, or you know, <laughs> whenever you start to sue a police officer because he wrongfully like did something, take it out of his retirement. Yeah. Don't, don't make or the, the city pension pay for it. Yeah. yeah. Take his take it out of his pension. See how yeah. many see how many guys will come up and, and act a fool again after right. you start taking away their retirement, and their pensions. Well, especially with, like you said, it, all these lawsuits get settled all out of court because us as the taxpayers pay for them. Yeah. And again, it just sucks when there's no accountability. And again, I'm really interested to see what some of these documentaries are going to be like in 30, 40, 50 years from now, yeah. looking at, back at us uh, now. Because again, we're just like, I mean, how long ago was uh, World War II? There was uh, 45s when it ended. Was it 45 when it ended? 45. Yeah. Um. So fuck, we're looking at... Shit, 60, 70, 80, 80, almost, yeah, god damn, dude, that's that's a long time ago, and we're still talking about it, shoot, we still talk about a lot of other wars, what was it, World War One was like 20 years before that, yeah, World War One is really fucked up, again, we focus a lot on World War Two, but World War One was the first modern type war, yeah, Um, people actually refuse to do trench warfare anymore because of what, how grimy and fucked up it was, and Again, uh, you're talking about these young men, you know, during World War II being sent out. World War One, I, I think they let them be as young as like 14 years old, 15 years old. And their training was ridiculous. When you watch the videos, they're playing like leapfrog over each other. They thought it was a game. They're playing around, you know, fucking around. Their boot camp was nothing. Like it was Because n- they honestly thought that they weren't going to go to war. Yeah. So both sides, for several months, it doesn't really say. For several months, they just dug trenches and just no. hung out in the trenches. And that's all they did. And, you know, at nighttime, they would get together and, like, drink coffee or, like, exchange snacks with each other. And then it's whenever the war kicked off that it was like, yo, like, this isn't, like, what it's supposed to be. And it's just, it's, again, it's absurd. It's it's nuts, dude. It's nuts. Again, you, and, of course, they called it, what was it, um shell-shocked at the time that was just yeah. early version of ptsd and they just couldn't understand it's like bro you're you're sending these boys because at the time they weren't even men dude like being 13 14 15 years old you're still a boy dude and you're sending them into this meat grinder and expecting them to come back fine it's like bro now they're gonna be a yeah and then you... the thing is they threaten to shoot you or kill you or throw you in jail um, if you had shell shock or if you claim that you had shell shock because they didn't believe it was a real thing right and then now nowadays you know, they change it from shell-shocked. You know, um, I was watching a comedian the other day. I cannot remember his name, but he was going on a tangent about how we are, like, you know, making these words softer and everything. Right. He was like, you know, it used to be toilet paper or, like, and now we're calling it, like, bathroom tissue or, like, this, that, and the other. He goes, shell-shocked. Like, that. that's, like, a strong word. And then now you have, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder or like PTSD, you just call it like four little letters. Right. And, you know, nobody understands it. He was like, you know, you don't get the full effect of like what this can be. Like, dude, it's like, again, like these documentaries I'm looking forward to, they're not documentaries over World War One or Vietnam or anything. Right. It's there's, all current there's stuff. thousands of those right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, and, there's, you know, there's thousands of them that will very forever educa- be some. Yeah. And they're very educational. I'm not downing them. I, I love watching them. Um, just to know history. Yeah. But these ones are coming up for Iraq and Afghanistan. Stuff you lived through. And it's just, and it's like stuff that's happening right now. It's like the first six months that we were at war in, in uh, Iraq after 9-11, it was everywhere. It was posted everywhere. It was, people were on TV, you know, like they're crying because their son was killed overseas. It was like very dramatic. And now the past 20 years, almost, it's, 
have you have you been seeing anything about Iraq? Only time where you see anything about like anything over there is when, when there's a an election coming up, yeah, <laughs> or a politician is upset about something. Or um, I remember that they had, they kept saying that they needed more troops in, in Afghanistan. They needed more troops in Afghanistan because they didn't have enough to cover this base. And they kept saying no, 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 no. And then several insurgents came in with bolt cutters, cut the fence, and went in and blew up 22 jets. They're like billions of dollars a piece. Blew up 22 of those and then like got away. And then they went and then the politicians that they were begging to like increase security with then went to go blame the general of the space. Right. And he's like, I've been asking about this for the longest time and y'all just ignored me. And several people were killed on both sides. Right. That, you know, and it's just like, well, it's on, just man. funny. Everything's like, always uh, reactive instead of proactive. You know, same thing, you know, we deal with in California. You know, the, I love California. The weather's great. But the thing that sucks is we have a fire season. And again, all these politicians complain about there's not enough management, this and that. And we can't afford it. I'm like, yeah, but we can afford to put these fires out. Like, cost 10 times. I think we were talking about this earlier this year. Which, dude, it costs 10 to 100 times more to do all this after work when the whole, half the state burns down than it is to yeah. clean it up and have proactive you know, yeah, shit going it's, on. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a money-making scheme. I mean... It has to be. Um, something like that. Or they just don't care. That's the reality I of mean, it. It's it's so ridiculous. It's like war is like a business yeah. nowadays. You yeah. know, it's a business. It used to not be like that. It's like a huge business now. And, you know, the more that we're fighting more, the more that we're shooting ammo, like, the more it goes on. Right. People are just making money. Why were they and wanting to stop? My, my last deployment to Afghanistan, we had a... Because we were wanting to, you know, they were wanting there to go back my first deployment, we, we tore down bases there, right? And then my next deployment there, we were putting bases back up. And when we were putting the bases back up, we put them in the exact same locations and built them exactly the same way. So it's like you had guys that were killed tearing down these bases, and now you're having guys killed putting these bases back up. And it's just like, and it's costing money both ways. You know, and my, uh, my battalion that I went with, we, we were covering almost a regimental size area, which, like, battle zone. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, you were overworking guys in this, you know, in a zone that's too big for you. And it's absolutely absurd. And uh, that's it, what a lot of these documentaries are. It's cool are when you get coverage and stuff covering. like that. Um, you know, we're, we're going to wrap it up soon. But, uh, yeah, if you guys are ever looking for a good documentary bio um, – series i really like watching biographics on youtube um the guy does a really good job so biographics are obviously it's um on a single person right you know to be on a, a general or a politician or a character you know like it'll be on single people but the guy also does um d infographics um he'll do stuff on wartime like different wars different areas uh geographics he does all these different ones and again what happens a lot of times i'll be watching biographics i'll learn about some dude i'm like oh that sounds cool they'll talk about somebody else i'll watch that one and then i'll watch the whole war itself like videos and stuff and again it's a really good really informational he does a really good job making entertaining there's also the ones if you want something that's a lot more entertaining um but a lot less serious they're called um uh dang dude the the, the, the name of the series was 
oh shoot, uh, super simplified. They'll do like super simplified World War Two, super simplified uh, Civil War, and it's like these little. They almost look like the cyanide and happiness guys, like the yeah, just little cartoon guys yeah. like running around doing stuff. And again, they're just like bang, 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 steamrolling through everything, and then they'll add some comedy to it. You know, they'll, they'll talk about like uh, there was one on Abraham Lincoln. They'll just show funny stuff about him, make crack jokes here and there, but it does do a pretty good job on going through the war. Um, so you'll watch the Abraham Lincoln stuff, what his side point of view was during the war, and then you watch the Civil War stuff, and then you watch like the Robert E. Lee stuff. And again, it's, it's a really good job. YouTube is a great, great platform just to find cool little quick documentaries and just uh, informational videos um, from these really just passionate guys who are passionate about history, passionate about sharing these great stories. I always like talking to people about um, really interesting historical happenings because they're really cool interesting stories that actually happened you know you can make up a cool fun interesting story but then there's some that are real and you're like oh that was an actual person yeah. i call these guys characters all the time even though they're real like oh yeah yeah that, that churchill guy that character is a good character he's an interesting character i'm like oh he's a real person they're not characters yeah well, there, there's <laughs> one on amazon prime now that i'm thinking about it it's really good it's very graphic though so i definitely don't recommend watching it in front of children um it's called combat obscura okay and you can get it on amazon you'll have to rent it but it's just, it's really good. And he just kind of shows what, like, actually happens a lot of times out there. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of in the heat of the moment, you see what, what's going on. And it, he touches it, and he hits it, and you can actually see it. And which is why I don't recommend watching for the kids. <laughs> but um, it's really good. Um, that, like I said, that's a really good documentary. Nice. That, um, and then you were talking about Nat Geo. We are talking about natural, like, uh, documentaries and stuff. There's a lot of really good ones out there, too. When I'm not watching historical ones, I'll watch uh, documentaries on, like, a specific animal, like the short-faced brown bear. How did that come to be? Where did it go? What it was? Yeah. The other one I was watching the other day that I got to remember to watch it again was a pterodactyl. I'm like, what happened to pterodactyls? What, what's up with these guys? Like, and just random stuff like that. And it's just, it's interesting. It's yeah, really cool. Why, why did we have these massive flying birds? And now we got like, little <laughs> tiny birds in my bush outside. Like, well, like pterodactyls were different than birds. Though. They were like actual reptiles. Yeah. Our birds are like what the velociraptors and the T-Rexes eventually like became. The chicken is like the descendant of the T-Rex, man. It, it was a uh, raptors, uh, velo velociraptors. So... The raptors we see in Jurassic Park are actually closer to Utah raptors, mm -hmm. and then the, just without the feathers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, the I don't know if you remember in um in the movie there was those little ones, the, the little tiny. Oh, the compies. Yeah. Oh, so those are more like what actual raptors were. They mm -hmm. would be small and they swarm around stuff, and that's why they are closer related to exactly. chickens. Exactly. It's well, I mean, again, it comes down to it. Like, bro, you, the you, more we go along, and the more we search and like research and like look at stuff the more we find out about it. Yeah, like, and it's all cool. It's all like interesting. The T-Rex didn't actually roar. They found out that yeah. T-Rex is more quacked like ducks. <laughs> it's so hilarious, man. And then, um, dude, again, when you, you know, talking about how the raptors were closer to size of chickens and how they would swarm, you know, prey and stuff, and then you watch those videos of, like, the little kids running around with the freaking cornmeal and those chickens are chasing after yeah. them and swarms. You're like, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I grew up raising chickens, and so it's like... I would throw out like you know I would go I would go to like a <laughs> PetSmart and I would take like get a bag of crickets and I would open them and just throw them out in their little pen and just watch the suckers like run and yeah zigzag. yeah they're predators just, they're highly intelligent yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, chickens are dumb and I'm like no nah, dude they <laughs> <laughs> I know where they get it from like they're not dumb yeah 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 but no it's it's a lot of fun again watching uh, I know Nat Geo has a bunch of cool stuff on uh, Disney Plus uh, which is really cool they got a lot of exclusive stuff on there yeah it's um, really good yeah and then um yeah man again I love documentaries um I'm definitely gonna check out that Red Wall series because it sounds super interesting I uh, I wish they make a 
like uh, animated series if they, they haven't did, already. They did have did a they? TV okay. series on it. I have to check it out. Ago. Yeah, that one sounds cool, and I want to check out that uh, the Terminal Lance, the White Donkey. That one sounded really cool and, too. And he has another book coming out, by the way. Nice. Is it gonna be a novel or graphic novel? I'm, I'm type? not sure. Um, I just saw it today. I got the little ping on yeah. my phone. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely get with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We'll have to get back at it later. Um, yeah, because I, I like the graphic novels because you can get through it fast. You can get a whole story real quick and just get what it's about and see it. Because, again, uh, being able to play with the visuals is really, really cool. Um, but, yeah, um, is there anywhere? I know you do, uh, do photography and stuff like that. Uh, any um, social media people should be checking out, Dusty? Oh, for my photography? Oh, um, I'm on Instagram um, on Bandit's Last Stand photo. Uh, photo and between each word it's just like the little underscore so um yeah so it'd be bandit underscore or bandits yeah underscore. bandits underscore last underscore stand underscore photo uh, <laughs> it was weird because it, it wouldn't let me like do the whole single word right so you know i want people to like see you know yeah yeah so. yeah um but yeah and then you can always check us out um i'm roman the nerd on instagram we have weaving words podcast on instagram facebook uh we have the discord server for hooligan squad join that uh, it's been a little quiet lately just because i haven't had a chance to comment in, a whole lot in there just i've been busy with work and getting podcast episodes recorded and, and uh lining up uh appointments with people um but yeah if you guys ever want to discuss any cool stories or if you've again you know if you've watched or listened to or read any of the stuff that Dusty's talked about or that I've talked about that anybody else talked about just again comment um you know throw something in the discord or comment on the the post um but yeah man check it out uh thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen until next time goodbye Later. adios